Welcome to season three of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's women of faith. I'm your host, Dawn Damon, and I get to speak to some of the most resilient women alive who, like Esther of old, step up with courage to face trials head on and triumph. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Well, hey, everybody, so glad that you are joining us again today on Arise Esther. I have a very fun guest for you, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today is an engineer turned mystery writer. She's an entertaining speaker, an unconventional soul, and she inspires others to become their best selves, living with authenticity and purpose. And she infuses the novels that she writes with unconventional characters who thrive on solving tricky problems. I am so excited today to have my guest from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, along with her husband and Kat Scallywag. Would you please welcome to the show today, Lisa Betts. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you for coming on. We were talking earlier about what we should focus on and talk about, but I just want to just ask you about being an unconventional soul. As I introduce you and even as I speak to you, you strike me as someone who has really found their stride. You are you have found authenticity. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I have always been one that never fit molds well. And being an, an engineer is an example of that. You know, in school, I love math and science, but I also love stories and imagining and, and creative writing. And so, but I'm, I don't fit the stereotype of either kind. So I, over the years, I have learned that I'm, I'm never going to fit molds and I'm not happy when I try and fit molds because I just think a little differently than people. So I have learned to embrace my own quirky self and just be whatever the next thing is that God has led me to be. And he's led me on, on an interesting route. You know, I started out um, majoring in engineering, worked in a plant for several years. Well, then I, I had kids and my friend convinced me to try substituting at our local school. And of course, I knew nothing about substituting, but I knew math and science, and they were happy with someone who did. So I started substituting, and I ended up doing that for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. And then because I was at the school, a friend of mine who had a teenager at the time begged me to think about directing the high school play. Oh. And I, of course, had zero qualifications for doing that, <laughs> um, other than the fact that my parents were into drama and... They took me to see lots of good plays. Um, but I come. said, yes. Uh, so this is, you know, I have I have these friends that I've collected over the years that, that like to volunteer me to lead things. <laughs> and this was one of those times where I, I hesitantly said, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. You know, knowing I didn't know what I was doing, but I felt the Lord saying, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And... It was it was a wonderful experience. I, I I've had a number of times over the years where I have kind of reluctantly said yes to something God was asking me to do, knowing I I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't qualified to do it. And then as I'm going through this and I hit these moments when I feel completely overwhelmed, someone will just 
show up and say to me, do you need help? Nice. <laughs> and I will say, oh, yes, could you please do whatever? And so the Lord has always been really faithful at providing me help when I'm in those moments where I'm completely underwater, but I'm doing what he wanted me to do, like direct a play. And that turned out to be so much fun that I directed plays for 10 years. Oh, my goodness. And in fact, I even one of the later years, I even wrote a play. I wrote a melodrama, which is a total hoot because I, I had this specific group of kids who wanted to be in it and I couldn't find any scripts that fit that particular group. And so I said, well, I'm just going to write one. And so it, it's been, it was a wonderful experience. And as you can imagine, directing plays for 10 years is a great piece of foundation for writing novels. Oh, yes. I mean, characters and building characters and, and setting scenes and all that stuff. It's a beautiful foundation for that. And you are an award-winning novelist, so that's exciting. And look at how God, you know, sometimes we call him Jehovah Sneaky. Look at how God got in there and and helped you. And, you know, I want to go back to something you said, though, because you said I'm quirky. I've never really fit in. And so you're able to adapt to whatever role. I feel like you are a, a, a model to for uh, uh, the rest of us to look at and say, look at how free it is to be authentic. I don't have to live up to some expectation or some mold. I get to just be my quirky self. There's a lot of freedom in that, isn't there? There is. Yes, there, there definitely is. I, I recognize how hard it is. My personality type makes it a little easier to be authentic. Uh, just, you know, the way God made me, my my brain tends to be a better I'm less worried about what people think than other personalities. I guess maybe that's what I'm saying. But I, I recently read a book um, about authenticity written by, I don't know, a psychologist, I think. And he said words to the effect in the beginning that over his years of, of counseling patients, he has come to the conclusion that most of the problems he sees have a root in being inauthentic. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. what I found. And so. does that mean, because I know that your ministry is focused on helping people recover from people pleasing. Is that part of being inauthentic? Like I'm not being true to me. I'm just trying to conform to the pressure of the world's image. Yeah. The world does its very best to make all of us conform to its image, right? Mm -hmm. What are we told? If we want to be successful, we have to achieve these things. We have to look like this. We have to act like this. We have to have the right friends. We have to do, 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 do. And so most of us have absorbed the message that to be a valuable, worthwhile, successful person, we have to achieve or we have to please people um, or we have to be, be perfect or we have to avoid conflict at all costs and make sure everyone's okay. So all of these messages... Um, lead us towards not being authentic mm -hmm. and it takes an awful lot of guts sometimes to say well i'm who i am and if you don't like that then oh well mm -hmm. I'll, I'll you know it, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna please everybody yeah um, and yeah. and that can be hard really really hard for some people absolutely and you have two taglines. One is on your website and one is on your blog. And I love them both. So okay. the tagline on your website says that you're quietly unconventional. 
So tell me more about that, which you're you're describing, I think, right? Well, the quietly comes from the point that um, I'm not being unconventional to prove anything to anyone. I'm not saying I, I'm not a rebel. I'm not trying to cause other people to be like me. I'm not trying to, and I'm certainly not trying to pull attention to myself. I'm very happy being behind the scenes. So I'm not trying to um, be noticed in my unconventionality. I'm just trying to be me. And because I believe that the the more we are our true selves, the way that God created us to be, the, the better we are able to do exactly the things he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, the more we love our true self, the more we just plain old love and accept all of us, the, the things we like, the things we're not so happy about, the eccentricities, whatever, the more we truly love ourselves, the more we are able to love anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's part of in, unconventional. And like I say, the quiet part is just, I'm just me doing my own thing. And I'm not trying to tell anyone else what to do. Yes. And, and that comes yes. out in uh, right. that comes out as we see you and as you as you speak and as you share. How did you find your authentic self? Because most of us discover by the time we're in our late 20s, early 30s, we have layers and layers of things that we've taken on to ourselves in that world image, in that mm-hmm programming and the messaging from whether it's friends or parents or instructors or teachers. So what was the journey like? I mean, did you always feel like you lived true to yourself or did you have to do some self-reflection? Well, there's always self-reflection. And I think we're always discovering new layers of, of labels that we have unintentionally taken on without even thinking about it. That's just part of living in this world. I definitely think that my parents... My parents and my personality helped me when I was young to be okay in my own skin. I knew I was loved, you know, they let me be a little weird. And um, Mm -hmm. I was, I was a very strong tomboy as a child. Okay. Um, And I look, I look back, I think back to my behavior then and think, oh my goodness, it's a wonder I, my mother didn't have me in therapy, you know, (laughs) but she just let me be. And trusted that the Lord would would help me figure out who I was over time. You know, when I was when I was seven, if you mistook me for a boy, I would have taken it as a compliment. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but you know, the Lord helped me come to terms with all of me, and help me over help me see that the positive things about being a girl and not just the things about being a boy that I in in my seven-year-old head thought were cool <laughs> yeah right um wait that could have been a uh, we don't have to get into all of this but if you were a little child today in today's culture you could have been really turned you know gone into a right. tailspin and really that whole conversation of wondering you know how did God create me who am I supposed uh-huh. to be um not that you didn't have your own thoughts about it at at your age but Continue. I wanted to touch on the other tagline because I think it it blends mm-hmm. into what we're saying right now is live intentionally, more confidence plus less guilt, one small step at a time. Yes, I'm all about one small step at a time on my blog. I blog about living intentionally, 
And, and for me, that means, you know, living with purpose, living with us and authenticity. Um, I talk about simplifying, but my, mainly it's about, the main thing is about renewing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and science has finally caught up with God in that respect. Yes. And they understand now that we can change our neural pathways. We can change our mental habits, but with intention. So intention means making a decision to do something. And that typically means I'm, I'm somehow going against the flow or the easy way. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you have to be intentional about living each, each day with faith, being in the moment, choosing to be intentional when it's easier to just play along, you know, all these kinds of things. And of course, also um, pursuing my dreams, pursuing what God's called me to do. And that, that takes a lot of effort too. So all these intentional things are about making the harder choice because it's the better choice in the end, although it is harder to get to. Um, but yeah, it's we can only we can only change one small step at a time. So I'm all about not putting guilt on people for how how much work they need and instead saying, well, but you can do this one thing today. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's brilliant. And it's you can tell that this is something that you really embrace because just your whole vibe and the way that that you speak. And I know you I've met you and the way that you are, you you give people who are in your presence, you give them permission to be who they are. Mm. It, it just feel you give people freedom to be authentic. And so I, you're truly living into the ministry that God is, has given you. And that's really cool. Thank and you. as we talk about eccentricities and your quirkiness, how then did this engineer become a mystery writer uh, you, I'm having, guessing that it's part of the journey and, and doing theater or helping kids with plays and writing characters. And now you begin a novel. Tell us about it. Well, well, I, I had been dabbling with writing, with creative writing for years. As a child, I loved stories. So I've always had a passion for a good story mm-hmm. and, and making up, I'm always making up things in my head, right? Um, so then I, I dabbled with writing first uh, when I had small children at home and you know how that is when your, your brain is desperate for something productive to do. I, I, I randomly saw in a parenting magazine an ad for a correspondence course on, on creative writing. And that's what started the journey, um, was that, that course, which led to four courses, you know, and then I started writing little, little, uh, drama scripts for church and, you know, the Lord kept taking me on Uh, but it wasn't until so that was when my kids were little and it wasn't until my oldest went to college and I had an empty nest my youngest I mean um that I had I sat myself down and said am I going to be serious about writing or not so it was it was 10 years ago that I decided okay I'm actually going to become a novelist it had taken me years yes yes I am strongly authentic but still I have doubts like everybody else. And it took me many years to believe in myself as a writer, to believe that anybody would ever want to read a story that I wrote. It took a long time for me to take that in and own that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I eventually did. So then I started working on stories. Um, and because I'm an unconventional person, I 
I don't read the sorts of things that most people read. I don't read romances. I don't read, you know, um, uh, romantic suspense. I tend to read, and I tend to read books set in weird time periods like ancient Rome ancient or Rome. medieval England. I don't read stuff set in World War II or in the Regency or the Victorian era. You know, those are real popular ones, right? Or, or the Old West. I just read what I read. And so I was writing this story set in ancient Rome and um, it was kind of an action adventure story. And that's the um, Livia, Amelia? Well, Ms. so this was not yet. I, okay. I had written some other stuff. I had to write I had to write several practice novels before I learned enough about writing a novel to write a good one. Okay. <laughs> so I wrote some other stuff first and then my editor challenged me, my writing mentor challenged me to try a mystery and it had never crossed my mind uh, because I, I didn't read that many mysteries at that time. Okay. But I said, well, it, it took me a while then, you know, I thought about it and I finally said, well, I'll give it a try. And then, you know, the Lord just started giving me these ideas for this character named Livia and this and this cat that she sees in this alley and, you know, and stuff. And so um, when I finally worked up the courage to try it, then the Lord just kind of blessed me with wonderful ideas for this first book. That's brilliant. And that was the, um, so that became a whole series, right? Well, yeah, it's not, it was, it was intended. I intended to be a series because I thought mysteries often are in series and that makes it a lot easier. I don't have to invent a whole new cast of characters every time. Oh, right. Well, that makes good sense. So that's the um, death and a crocodile and then the fountains and secrets. Right. And um, I know that one of them was the uh, award winner, the Golden Scroll Novel of the Year in 2021. Yeah, that, yeah. my first one was was the Novel of the Year, which completely floored me. Yeah. It was, I was such there. a boost, such a boost of confidence. Yeah. Congratulations. That I, I I was there when when that was announced. And so that was fabulous. Um so you've been writing, you have a variety of things that you do, mystery novelist, and you're writing on authenticity and your blog, and you're also a speaker. So yes. you are speaking out and you recently wrote in for one of your speaking opportunities, a devotional on the names of God. Tell us a little bit yes. about that. Well, actually... I had put a survey out on my blog asking some questions about what kind of things I could write that would help my readers be more authentic. And several of them suggested a devotional on my identity in Christ. And I thought about that for a while. And then one day the Lord kind of showed me that I could, I could do a study on identity based on the names of God, because the more we understand all of who God is, the stronger our foundation is in him, which then gives us a stronger foundation for our identity. Mm -hmm. We have more faith in him. We're easier able to trust him when we really know who he is. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm speaking at a, a women's retreat um, this weekend, actually. And I'm talking about some of the names of God, but I created this devotional, a 14-day devotional on 14 different names of God with the focus on helping you 
know him better so that you can trust him more um, so that that strengthens your identity and your confidence. Mm-hmm. Is that devotional going to be available to the public? I'm sure that yes. once people hear this, they're going to want to know how right. they can get a copy of that. Well, yeah, for right. your listeners, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, giving it away for free. So it's, if you go to my website, lisaebetz.com and then slash identity. So L-I-S-A-E-B-E-T-Z backslash identity. And that should take you to the page where you can download that. Oh, thank you, Lisa, so much. They'll be so excited about that. And I'll add that to the show notes as well for all you who are listening. So this whole identity piece and the authenticity piece, I appreciate you telling us that you still struggled with confidence when you were stepping into your writing and in this genre that was new for you. I know a lot of our listeners, Lisa, are are also sisters and other writers and those that are lacking some confidence or afraid. I think like writing our, finding our writing voice and being authentic in our writing voice, Mm -hmm. we struggle that, that takes time, doesn't it? What would you say to those that are listening about learning to find their authentic writing style or it's you just have to keep trying i think the first thing we need to do is to not not apologize for the way we write now mm-hmm. um i have always been fond of of parentheses in my writing mm-hmm. um and i think it's because i'm always hearing these snarky little asides in my head you know <laughs> yeah. so i throw them in my writing these little parenthetical thoughts right and you know when i'm working on a novel i i take half of them out again before i finish but still it's it's just part of who i am i write these little parenthetical asides all the time so i you have to you have to give yourself permission to not listen to everything the experts tell you Mm. Um, and just be a little weird and and of course you always have to think i'm writing what god has called me to write and it's okay that i don't write as well as this person or that person, right? We 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 all t- we're forever comparing ourselves to someone that God doesn't intend for us to be compared with. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and the, with today's opportunities for bloggers, and there's so many more venues and forums for writing and being authentic in our voice where we don't have to all fit into a mold because these are the guidelines or these are the rules. And so we all end up kind of sounding similar, but now we can write eBooks and blogs. For example, you talk about your parentheses. You have a new eBook out called permission to say no parentheses. And I mean it a handbook for recovering people pleasers. So there's proof right there. What's that? What's that ebook about? Well, because I, you know, I'm, I'm writing mostly on the topic of helping people be more authentic. And one of the big issues that so many people have, or particularly women, and even particularly Christian women who are told, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to be kind and we're supposed to serve others, and we're supposed to submit to one another and all that stuff. So that easily leads to people pleasing as a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. so then people that have lived that way their whole lives really struggle to be authentic because whenever you are authentic, you sooner or later aren't pleasing somebody. 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but but people please anytime you're not being authentic, it's taking an emotional toll because you're you're having to, to put on an act. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people do it um, as a self-preservation technique at some point. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, so so one of the things that people pleasers and lots of the rest of us have a hard time with is saying no. Mm. Right. We don't want to disappoint people. We understand th that they desperately need this volunteer for this thing. Um, we don't want to miss out on the fun time when we get invited to a fun thing. So there's tons of reasons why we hate to say no. But if you don't ever say no, then you have no boundaries and mm -hmm. your, your schedule is complete chaos and you end up eventually burning out and, and overbooking yourself and you know double booking yourself, right? We've all had those moments where we're like, uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> I cannot be in two places at once, right? Yeah. Um, so this is just a practical little handbook I've picked. I think it's eight, eight different common scenarios when you're in this kind of situation. So I have some, some, some ways, some, some questions to ask yourself to help you decide, is this a yes or is this a no? To kind of put things in perspective and keep you thinking about the, the priorities and not get distracted by it, but I want to. And then I, it, it also includes um, a list of actual sentences you could say to say no uh -huh. kindly and politely, um, but firmly. Wow, that's very helpful. So you give us actually the lines that we can use in how to gracefully but firmly right. deliver our no when we need to. Yes. And, you know, so yeah, you said a whole lot right there because you talked about boundaries. You're still talking about authenticity, courage to be that person, and the people pleasing trap, if you will. And how it and how sometimes being authentic means that someone isn't going to be happy with us at all times. And how do we become okay with that feeling that we're letting people down and disappointing people? And I suppose you talk about that in your book. Well, it's it's one one no at a time. You know, when you when you when you say no one time. And then the world doesn't end and they don't hate you, you know, then it's a little easier the next time. And it's a little easier the next time. So like everything in life, pretty much one little step at a time will help us get better at whatever it is we're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So we need to practice those of us who aren't good at it already need to practice saying no, just like you need to practice playing the piano or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And practice will make us better at it slowly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's so good. It's so rich. And as we're kind of wrapping up, I know we've been all over the place a little bit, but I do have one last question that I want to ask you about your writing. Mm -hmm. Is that how you write as well? You you talk about one small step at a time. I'm always interested in what kind of writer an award-winning author is. Do you believe in the scenario of blocks or is it a little bit every day or what's your writing style? My brain works better in big chunks. I, I am a complete failure at multitasking. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so I work best in, I work best completely alone. I, I like it when like, there's not even anyone else in the house 
mm-hmm. to distract me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work better in big chunks that, yeah. So, so I, I've tried various t- things over the years and, and sometimes you just can't. So, I, you know, I, sometimes I do manage to work in a little writing time in amongst other things, but I work better when I can like devote like this week, I'm going to focus on, on the book and really get my head into it. And then things flow better. And I don't feel quite so much like I'm just pushing rocks uphill. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have to do what you have to do. Um, yeah. So I'm, uh, and my, I'm, I'm not a fast writer. I have to spit out what's in my head on the computer. And then I have to print it out and have a hard copy. And I edit on the hard copy. And then I go back and, and I had to learn. I had to learn a long time ago to give myself permission to not fix all the problems in one go around because that just stalled me and got me stuck. So I, I give myself permission to just fix what I can fix. And then I type that in and then I go back and I just go over and over and over until it finally gets where it's going and it says what I was trying to say. Yes. It's a process, isn't it? Process. It is such a process. And I know too, for myself as a writer, I try to write a little bit, but I do best with the uncontested big block of time where I'm not getting interrupted. And then I can always tell when I've had that versus the times where I'm just writing, because I'll come back to it and say, what was I saying there? It feels like my train of thought went uh, to a different uh, stop. And, and so uh, I love, I love just listening to how different writers produce the products that God gives them. And of course there is that inspiration that we do get from the Lord when we're writing. And I love it when I go back and I read that, that draft where I go, there it is. That's good. That's that hit hit send on that one. When, and I hit send, it goes to my editor. She cleans it up one more time for me, but the book, the award-winning book is called Livia Amelia. Am I saying that correctly? That's the, my main character is Livia Amelia. So the she's myth? my she's my young young female sleuth. Um, ah, and, and so the series is called that. So the first book is is called Death and a Crocodile, and on the cover there's this picture of an ancient coin with a crocodile on it. And I thought that was such a cool thing when I discovered that on the internet one day that I made it a clue, or at least she thinks it's a clue. Okay, um, yeah. And then fountains and secrets. Right. And so that one. That one deals with um, the the mystery and the crimes that she stumbles into are uh, connected with the water system of Rome, which, you know, the fountains and the aqueducts and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And wonderful. Well, we are eager to get our hands on that book. Lisa, tell us about where people can find you. So just to reiterate, there's books, there's ebooks, there's a blog. And a website, what's the best place to get a hold of you? Well, my website is just my name, Lisa E. Betts. That's L-I-S-A-E-B-E-T-Z dot com. And that will get take you to, to my blog, pages from my books and all those other things. The books are available wherever you buy books. Um, Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on today. And last thoughts from you to anyone listening who says, I just felt so much joy listening to this and freedom to maybe try this thing called authenticity. What would you say? (laughs) I firmly believe that God made each of us a unique individual 
on purpose and for purpose, right? Each of us is his masterpiece. Each of us has our own unique purposes that God planned before we were born. And the more we, the closer we are to the person God created us to be, and the more we embrace all the things that all the even the junk that God has put in our lives, the closer we are able to do what he's called us to do. He knew exactly what he was doing when he made plans for us. And he knew exactly the personality and the weird family and everything else we needed to get there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well said. So if you're listening today for all of you or watching on YouTube, this is your invitation to live full out, authentically you. Take that deep dive. Do that self-discovery. Be willing to shed the layers and the labels and the lies that we so often tell ourselves. Be willing to say, I don't need to protect myself from that quirky, unique part of me. And I encourage you, Lisa and I both, to take a step of faith. And as always, all you modern day Esters, I have a question for you. Is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at AriseEster.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit DawnDamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.